Well, welcome to the podcast. And as I keep saying, we've said in 2022, we're going to change it up a bit. We're going to come to a lot of different people and we're going to get a lot of different stories. This week is no different. Marvin Quest is a paranormal investigator, a creativity expert and a author from Missouri in the United States. Welcome to the show, Marvin. How are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on your on your show. <laughs> so we're not going to have any, uh, you know, shadows or uninvited guests come along and appear on the screen after we edit, are we? Okay. No, we're going to. No one's going to call past that we don't know about. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's awesome. So you've always grown up where you are, or did you grow up in another part of America? No, I grew up here. I did live for a year and a half out in California. Mm-hmm. But I ended up coming back to Missouri under unusual circumstances. I let's just say I hooked up with the wrong man mm-hmm. and you know ended up getting pregnant. He tried to hurt me. So mm-hmm. I ended up moving back to mm-hmm. where my was. Yep. Um to, to have a nice, safe support network mm-hmm. of people. Um, I have a beautiful daughter from the experience. I absolutely love her to pieces. Um, she's very feisty, but has the biggest heart you could ever ask for. So a little bit like a mom. <sighs> More feisty than me. <laughs> <laughs> so you did, you did you go to school where you are now, or is that in another part as well? Um, you know, I went to Franklin Smith Elementary and so did my kiddo. And she goes, okay, mom, did you go to this school too? And I'm like, yeah, baby girl. Well, what about this school? She's actually going to a different middle school, but she'll be going to the same high school. And she even asked me, she says, mom, how do you feel about me going to the same high school as what mm. you did? I told her, I said, honey, I said, I love this school. Mm. I love the I love the mascot. I loved all the teachers. I said, you will be just fine. And of course, you know, I mentioned the colors in the mascot because being more artistic, (laughs) I'm just like, oh, beautiful colors, you know. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I told her, I said, I have no problem with you, with you being here. Um, I do help her keep in mind that we are wanting to relocate somewhere else. And I said, so you might not graduate hmm. from school, but I'm thrilled that you're going. And so where did you go to uni at? I'm sorry? Where did you go to university at, to college? I went to, um, I went to Central Missouri State University hmm. in Pittsburgh, Missouri. I got an illustration degree. Um, I actually wanted to be an animator for Disney. And so I went to that college. They said they were fifth in the nation in the art mm-hmm. department. All excited. And it was about, I still had like a year and a half to graduate and found out they did not have an animation, an animation department at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want to leave home like for another college states away, mm-hmm. you know. It's, you know, it's not like other countries where you drive two hours and you can be somewhere else. You know, the U.S. is is pretty big and I just didn't want to be that far away from home. 
So I went on and finished up my degree and decided maybe the universe has another path for me. <laughs> and so instead of really pursuing my arts, I still paint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I focused on writing. And of course, you said paranormal investigations, mm-hmm. guilty as um, I have a whole other side that has been with me ever since I was a little child, just having experiencing uh, experiences and wanting yeah. to embrace. So before we get, we're going to get into uh, the creativity side of it as well, because I think these days a lot of times it gets suppressed by people uh, yeah. and, you know, big business and you've got to go and do this and do that. But more importantly, when you were at university, what was more important to you, the study or the social side? Study. Study? Yeah. I, believe it or not, was an introvert. I've never been big into parties. Okay, so this is going to sound a little bizarre. I've always been sensitive to energy. Mm. And there's a large group of people around um, without being used to someone's energy would actually give me some anxiety. So I kind of shied away from big groups and I actually more enjoyed staying in my dorm room, either painting or writing. And of course, you know, some boring things like watching the history channel or, <laughs> you know, I always wanted to learn about different cultures. So here I am, you know, watching the Discovery Channel, the History Channel. I mean, anything I can get my hands on just to expand my knowledge about like the world around me. So I didn't spend often um, partying. Um, yeah. Big business these days, they don't seem to like or encourage what we call creatives. I mean, you're a creative. You work to your own uh, time clock. You work to your own pace with your own everything, and you get the same goals. You just go there down a different path. Do you think with uh, as we come out of COVID with a bit of luck, uh, creativity in people has been brought out because they've been sitting at home working, or do you think business is still trying to push that away because that's a little different, but we still want you to design a really good ad for us? <laughs> you know, to be quite honest, it's a little bit of both. It kind yeah. of depends on the person. For me it spawned my creativity. Hmm. I'm like, okay, so I can't spend that much time with my friends. What can I do? Hmm. And so I decided to pursue my projects. You know, when you go paranormal investigating, I have um, a co-investigator that goes with me because it's to go alone. So small group, you just social distance, wear a mask and see if the ghosts are willing to talk, <laughs> you know, so you can still, you can still have those functions. Yeah. You know? uh, this is the perfect time to really sit down, get focused on publishing my book and trying to see what I can do creative, you know, creatively this year. Um, well, last year in 2021, you know, becoming a best-selling author and mm. launching YouTube channel, I I kind of leaned more toward the the creative side. Mm. But I do years where you know you were talking about the businesses where it's like, yeah, this is great, but you know, so I, I've kind of I've witnessed both sides of that. Mm. And a lot of people, you know, as as you mentioned, there are some parts of the world where they don't really connect with the no. artists 
statistics side. And so a lot of those people will say, oh man, these last couple of years have really sucked and, and I didn't get to do anything. I didn't, you know, they, they just kind of stayed at home. They got bored. For artists though, we'll look at this and go, what can I create? What can hmm. I get in? You know, who, who can I reach out and contact and, and push this project forward for me on a personal level? Hmm. What can I do? Uh, so, you know, I had some friends that were not very artistic and they were like, man, these last couple of years have sucked. <laughs> and then there's me and I'm like, woohoo, podcast, YouTube channel, let's go. It just, um, it depends on what you do that makes you happy. What are your passions? Did you tap into those passions when you had that extra time? So how does someone who is a creative, and I, I've got a cousin that's a creative, very, very uh, successful. She's a painter and a few other things. And when she's focused, she's fantastic. But of course, when they're not, you can't work with them. And that's just the truth. But I mean, they're, they're, they are different cats, as we call them in Australia. With people who know they're cre- creative and they know they're, they're looking for something slightly different, how do they find what is going to work for them? Because you can be a writer, you can be a painter, you can be uh, anything, you can be a designer, you can be you know, a dressmaker, it doesn't matter. They're all creatives. How does someone, when they see this, they've got this energy, they know they don't fit in the normal mould? What do they do to find where they've got to go? You know, that, that question's very interesting. I, I ran across that recently. Um, I did end up recently in a magazine, but I knew it was not a perfect fit. Hmm. Um, this is, this is kind of what I do as, as artists, as being creative. Yes. You have to be inspired to really have that spark and edge to your artwork. If you're stressed, if you're upset, Mm. oh, it's, it's like a creative killer. Um, <laughs> it's just like, it's a complete downer and everything you touch does not uh, go well. But the one thing that I have learned is following that gut instinct. If, if you get a knot in your stomach and there are those that are procrastinators. Mm. So when I start procrastinating on a project and I have that knot in my stomach, I know it's not a good fit. Mm. I went on and it it took me two months to write up a news article, a a magazine article that should have only taken me a day to four days to complete. Mm. I mean, just crank it right out. And that was my first indication. This is not a good fit. Um, There was a lot of obstacles to overcome, a lot of frustration um, my marketing coach, Marav, miraculously um, made it work at the very last minute. But I told her, I said, this is not a good fit for me. I can feel it in my energy. I feel sluggish. I mm. it feel good. Something's not right. Something's not meshing up. And, you know, for many years, I ignored that gut instinct. And now I've learned that I have to pay attention to it. You know, even at one time I told Marav, I said, this magazine's not a good fit and that's okay. There are other magazines out there. I want to pursue those instead. Um, But like I said, Marav is a very 
fiery, passionate individual. And she's like, no, we're going to make this work. <laughs> she like, she found a way to wave her magic wand and just proof everything in place. It was wonderful. But on my end, um, I have learned a very important lesson. If I hesitate for one moment in completing anything, I know it's not a good fit. Do you think do you think sometimes uh, creatives just need somebody to focus the energy that they've got? Just to give them a bit of direction without telling them what to do? It depends. It depends really on the person. Um, there are a lot of whimsical artists out there that do need the focus, that do mm. need the and I kind of toggle in both worlds because you've got the whole analytical side of me mm. um, where really I, I overthink things. I will honestly admit that I overthink, but I analyze everything. I look at all the nitty gritty details. Mm. All I need is just an outline of what's needed and I'm good to go. I, I mm. roll with it, have my own focus, but I have met a lot of people in the artistic community that they're just, they've got, I'm going to use some strange terms here. They have a lot of air element to them where they just kind of float, they drift, they, you know, they, they lack mm -hmm. a lot of grounding and decision-making and as, you know, what most people would call focus. They're not seated within themselves and their own energy to go, this feels right. I'm going to do this. This is my passion. They don't always follow through with goals because they're just so hmm. busy. Creating. They kind of get lost in their own yeah. little world. I get, I get that. Uh, I've, I've coached it and I do myself when you, when you find yourself needing the focus, I find a good quick 10, 15 minute meditation with the phones off, yes. nothing else all of a sudden brings you back to center. Exactly. I have to meditate. Um, I try to every day. Doesn't mm -hmm. always. Um, I have had to learn different forms of meditation because a lot of uh, practitioners will say you have to silence your mm -hmm. mind. Um, my mind never shuts off. So what I have uh, decided is I will meditate and I will just let my thoughts mm. right through me. I have yep. to release it. I can't keep it bottled up. I can't hang on to the anxiety. I'm like, okay, why am I bothered by this or stressed out by this? Or why does this not feel right? And I just sit there and I, I sit in the energy and I just really feel through it. And then usually after as you said, like maybe 10 or 15 minutes of meditation, I'm back in alignment mm. and I'm focused with what, what's working. And I start coming up with solutions that's not working. Yeah. And look, people think uh, meditation is sitting in a corner, crossing your legs and chanting some funny words. And I always say to people, meditation is what you choose. Exactly. You can go to a practitioner and learn it formally. And I said, do you realize I said most top grade uh, sports people do it before they walk on the field. And I said, what do you mean? I said, have a look when they show the, the coverage from the change room and you'll see different people in different states. Some have got music on, some are sitting quietly. 
And I said, they're meditating. I said, it's just in a different way. I said, a meditation can be doing the Tony Robbins uh, thing. And I've been to Tony and, and, I, and I, do, I do love him. And, you know, getting yourself into peak state. That is meditation. Yeah. And, and if it brings your focus and it brings your calmness and you're ready to rock, you know, who cares? So with that energy and all that, do you find that how you got into paranormal investigation or was that something you found out early and then decided as an adult, oh, I might just go and do a little bit more of this and see why the, uh, the piece of furniture at my next door neighbours keeps moving when there's no one in the house? I, I actually, when I was little, I actually had experiences hmm. and experiences terrified me. Hmm. And most of my family members didn't understand it. You know, they didn't have those experiences. They're like, hmm. what are you talking about? And as I got older, though, I, I was still afraid. And I thought, you know, I don't like being afraid. If I'm hmm. afraid of something, I, I want to face it. Hmm. You know, I want to spend my energy on other things than being afraid. And I couldn't, it's not like I could stop the visitors. They, they come and go as they please. Um, so I'm like, okay, if this is something I can't change, hmm. if this is something happening to me, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to yep. face it on, head on and I'm going to start making house calls. You guys visit me. I'm going to start visiting you. I'm just, I'm like, I've had enough. Fine. You want me? Here I am. <laughs> hey, has this, anyone ever asked you to read a house or a building of a spirit? I, I actually had someone say that their place was haunted. I, went over to their house and cleansed their house because they were mm -hmm. very fearful. Um, that's the only time I've been asked to, but a lot of times on my investigations, I can set foot on the property, look at the house and just know, I know where the activity is. I can tell, you know, by just looking at some of the windows of something's in that room, staring back or just present in that room. And I'm like, man, I'm going to have to check out that window, that, that room, because I'm really drawn to it. There's, there's something there. Um, a lot of times I can tell if there's nothing in the house. Mm. I had a friend suggest that maybe, and I'm not sure exactly how to turn this into a career yet, but she's like, you know, a lot of realtors could actually use somebody who's sensitive when they're selling a house. You know, there's mm. people who buy. They move in and find out it's haunted and things start flying off the walls. And, you know, it would have been nice to know that before buying the house. And you know, not all realtors have that sense that something's in the house. So what do you say to the people who are skeptics and turn and say, really, this is just your creative imagination. It's, it's, it's a load of gobbledygook and doesn't exist. You know, I do feel like People have the freedom to believe what they want. Mm. I honestly say that there have been experiences that I've had that I've shared with a witness. Mm. Um, a lot of times I will go into a location and I will bring another person with me. And I'm not the only one that's, you know, hearing the noises, hearing the footsteps, um, mm. seeing shadows in the hallway. 
so while, you know, others could say it's just my imagination, mm. it's kind of say that when there's more than one of you having the same experience. I had an experience in, we were in a place called, a state called Tasmania, which is where they used to take a lot of the convicts when Australia was first settled uh, by the English. And uh, it, it's a horrible place, but it's also a calm place. We had the, you know, we had a, the gentleman that went mad with a gun and shot, killed many people down there years and years ago. But when you go into some of the areas there, into uh, solitary confinement, now these buildings are 200 years old. You can walk right. in and out of them, but there was one. Now, here's someone like me who's open to it. I could get three steps in and had to walk out. And nobody that whole day could walk in. Now, we know why. It was a men's solitary confinement. It was where the bad of the bad went. And there was obviously a spirit in there that wasn't the nicest of person. Have you ever gone into someone or a house like that, and we call it the back of your spine lit up and gone, there is evil in this room? Yeah, twice. Hmm. I remember going on an investigation at the Beatty Mansion. It's in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri. Hmm. And I stepped onto the property. And it was kind of like a U-shaped house. Hmm. At first it was a house, but then they built onto it and kind of turned it into like a care center for the elderly. And... I was looking at the main part of the house and I was like, man, there's something up in that window on the second floor and the other side of the house was more active. And so we went inside and we went on a tour and we went down into the basement. We walked into this room and I immediately got so sick and nauseous. I had to walk out mm. of the group, walk out of the room. And I could hear him as I was leaving the room. Oh yeah, this is George's room, and he likes to make people sick to their stomach. And I'm like, yep, yep, I I can already feel it. I'm out. <laughs> you know, it's like I cannot go in there. And the ironic thing is, uh, my co-investigator Trisha, she felt the same way because after I left the group, then she stepped forward because she wanted to hear the mm. the presentation, the tour, and then she got sick and nauseous and had to walk out. And she's like. I don't know about you. And I said, well, why do you think I stepped back? <laughs> you know? Um, so we thought that at the Beatty mansion and there's a place called the McIntyre Villa and it's in Atchison, Kansas. And every once in a while, you can go up to the second floor and you reach the top of the steps and there's something there that's just blocking hmm. you. And you're like, no, no, you have to go back down. And you can go back up 20 minutes later and have no problem going to the second floor. But every once in a while, there is something there that goes, no, this is my space. This is my time. You leave. And you're like, okay, never mind. I will try to go upstairs later. I even saw a black hand come around the corner at the top of the stairs and reach around the wall. And I'm like, um, Trish. And I shouted downstairs to her. She goes, yeah. I said, I can't be alone up here right now. Can you come with me? She's like, what? I said, please. Mm. I saw a hand reach around. The ironic thing is there, it, after about a month or two, another group came in to investigate. They were upstairs on the second floor. They looked down the hallway to that exact room and they saw a black hand 
reach around the corner at the same spot where I saw it. And yeah. I'm like, well, oh, there's something in the house. <laughs> I remember asking a, a priest about it one day who was open, who, who had a totally open mind, uh, strong and very strong in his faith, of course. But, and I said to him, what do you think it is? And he turned around and he said in his words, I believe that all they are are spirits who haven't passed on and they either have to be told it's okay to pass on or they have to say their message. And once their message is heard, quite often. And then you have the ones stuck. They're not going to get into heaven and they haven't worked out that they've got to go the wrong way. I absolutely agree with that. Although there was one time where I do believe I ran across an inhuman entity. Um, most of the time, I absolutely agree. It's, it's either a residual haunting, which means it's not really a person. The energy of that person mm. is the walls on the staircase. Those are the footsteps that you hear up and down the stairs with mm. no interaction. You know, they don't interact with you. They don't make things move. They don't try to talk to you. It's just constant going, you know, those, those footsteps. It's just a repetitive mm. either thing or something because houses actually absorb your energy. Mm. Um, and I say that because when a house has nobody living in it, it tends to fall apart much quicker than what it does when people reside in there. True. So your imprints in the wall. So you can have a residual energy. Sometimes it is a spirit that just needs to be told to go into the light. Other times they do have a message, but I have encountered something much darker that actually left a scratch on my arm so deep. It's not just me just scratching my arm and leaving mm. marks. This is like gouged, it scabbed over something completely unexplained it was feverish it was packing heat and there was no way I just cut myself on something I had actually worn a winter coat that was about an inch mm. thick and it still carved my skin and it stuck around for about eight months it, it took a mm. long time see that priest I spoke to would turn around and say that what you've come across is just pure evil it, it, it was. Hmm. I, I will absolutely agree. During, during that investigation, um, we actually had an, a piece of equipment called a spirit box hmm. and actually flips through radio stations hmm. so that the spirits can use the words of the different channels to speak what they have to say. And as I sat there, I felt dizzy. I was feeling sick. I felt this oppressive energy that was like trying hmm. to, you know, like it, for lack of better terms, it felt like it was trying to enter me. Now you're talking to a person that's never believed in possession. Hmm. You know, that feeling made me question that. And I kept feeling a dark energy crawling. It felt like it was crawling back and forth in the hallway of the room where we were sitting. And I just, I wasn't feeling good. And it felt like an eternity that we were in there. And it was only an 18 minute EVP session. And then when I go home, I found this mark on me. Mm -hmm. um, so I see have... a lot of psychiatric nurses will tell you they believe in possession. It's they know the people who have lost their mind, 
And I didn't believe in it until I came across somebody one day. Uh, and I was at the bottle shop getting some beer and serving this. And there was this guy in front of me being served. And he was uh, the most, I'd call a deadest person I'd ever seen. And he didn't speak. And then he turned around and looked at me and kept going. And all there was was black in his eyes. And he not long got out of jail. And I looked at the guy behind the counter. He looked at me as if to say, what is that? <laughs> but we weren't, we, he was just, he was possessed. He was pure evil. And, you know, I, I guess the reason why I didn't believe necessarily in possession, mm. I never wanted to encounter it. Mm. You know, people always say, you know, whatever you think about, think about, you bring about. I never wanted to have That's that the truth. Yeah. in my life. So you know, it was kind of scary to know that I was sitting there contemplating, is this what possession feels like? Is this mm. trying to invade my space? Because it just, I, I felt just so dizzy and so sick and I could just feel something out in the hallway. Um, one thing I didn't experience at the time, but I did post it on mm. my YouTube channel. I posted that EVP session where I experienced all of that. And the person who was leading the session, I said, Gabrielle, I said, I, I feel something out in the hallway. Mm. I do too. It's like, it's crawling back and forth on the floor. So that was kind of like confirmation that, yeah, she was kind of picking up on it too. And so she asked, she asked the spirit box, who is out in the hallway? And it repeated Satan. I just, you know, I didn't hear that at the time. You know, whether or not that is true, I don't know. But the experience I had was, was creepy. Um, even Gabrielle has investigated that location several mm. times and experienced what I felt probably about three or four times. So, mm. well, look, uh, people are gonna. The one thing they they can't falter is it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not, or you believe in an afterlife or whatever. The spirit is still in every animal. The spirit is still in every person. And when you pass, it has to go somewhere. Yes. I mean, the religious term is your conscience, which is what your spirit is, and it has to go somewhere. When it comes to business, sometimes you see a building, and business after business after business goes in. And it never works. Yeah. And you sit there going, there's something wrong there. <clears throat> I mean, all these people can't get it wrong. All these exactly. people who know business can't get it wrong. Do you think sometimes that business isn't as open to other things as much as they should be? And they could probably I, do things a lot better if they were? I Yes, absolutely. If, if there was some form as a business owner, you know, to be in tune with who you are energetically opens you up to picking the right building with the right energy frequency to boost your business. Mm. Uh, sometimes you can stay away from a building going, oh, that's not the place for me. You, mm. you start feeling it. And yeah, I've, I've witnessed quite a few buildings where people will move in, they will move out, they don't stick around. And if they just would have been more in tune with 
their environment with what's going on energy wise, they probably would have never picked that building. And they would learn to seek out a building that is at the best frequency, the highest frequency to align them with prosperity, to actually make their business more prosperous than what it would have been at a different location. Do you think they need to do the same when it comes to picking staff? Yes. My best advice with staff. I, I used to work at, a, at like a summer camp. Hmm. And the director of the summer camp would just take pity on anybody who applied. Hmm. There were some people that would have really read their energy that they should have never been hired. Yeah. And it goes back to that feeling in your gut. Within the last couple of years, I've really paid attention to it. You know, I used to push projects that didn't feel good. And then the outcomes were not always the best. And I've learned that if there's that knot in the stomach, whether it's toward a project or a person or building, don't do it. <laughs> just, just don't do it. Have you, have you ever come across with being paranormal ever with an energy that's total joy, pure joy? No. I think if you ran across an entity there that is pure joy, it is either a family member that has crossed over mm-hmm. that's just cheating on you. I do believe that we all have angels or guides, mm-hmm. beings that work with you to keep you safe. Those are pure joy. When you go investigating, unless it's one of your own spiritual team, it's not going to be joy. So none, none of these spirits have asked you out on a date yet? No, I wish though. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's um, a- um, but usually when you step in there, it's usually a heavy presence. A, it's a fearful one. Mm. Um, for one, a lot of these beings don't want you in their house. It'd be like you have a house. You've, you've died. Mm. You don't need to be died. And you have these strangers entering your house. Mm. That's why EVPs will hear, leave, go, get out, because you're in their space. Well, that someone did a movie about it called Beetlejuice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's how they feel about it. Mm. You know, they're like, okay, excuse me, you're in my house. I did not invite you here. Mm. I try to be as respectful as possible. I go, I'm just like, say, Hey, I am here temporarily. I am just a wanderer. I I have traveled here because I am curious if there is a message that you have that you need to get through to a family member, or if there's something on your mind, please, you know, please let us know. We would love to help you any way we can. Um, but a lot of times the spirits just kind of want to be left alone. They sometimes they don't realize they've crossed over and they just they get caught up almost kind of like how we are in our living daily lives. Mm. We caught up in the so much of the 3D, the money, the house, mm. the car, the business that we forget there's more to life. It's like when was the last time you woke up? And just kind of tuned in your ears to the birds that sing in the morning. Mm. Last time you took in 
the beauty of a flower or connected to an animal and being just present really, in the moment. I'm sorry? Being present in the moment, as we call it. Yes, we, yeah. we forget. Oh, look, and, it's nothing worse. You go to a live uh, music festival, the most amazing bands on, and people are looking through their bloody phone. And I sit yeah. there going, you know, you're never going to do anything with that footage. Put the phone in your pocket and just go with the music. Just enjoy the moment. Exactly. And that's exactly what's going on with these spirits. They mm. have got so mentally trapped in, the, in their house, in their belongings, in their life. Mm. It could be depression, pain, sorrow, loss that they forget to be in the moment. Yeah, true, true. A couple of last questions. Yeah. When someone is a manager and they've got creatives that they need to employ, mostly, to, you know, to do artwork and all that and to do, you know, the things that they're absolutely awesome at, what is the best way for a manager to look after a creative so they don't walk out, so they get the most out of them? And I get, you know, and everyone's happy. This is kind of an interesting question. Um, part of the reason why I chose not to pursue artwork is the stress of a paycheck relying on my artwork. Mm. One thing that I would suggest to any business owner that needs a creative, you know, not, not just contracted, mm. but someone long-term that's going to be in there, Allow them to, if they, if they need like references to draw something, allow them a means to go to a location where they can draw on site. Let them get used to, say you need a zebra drawn. It, send them to the zoo. Mm. Sit down, work with the animal. Get used to the muscle structure, the bone structure. You know, it's, it's good to have like paper reference, but to actually get in tune with what they're trying to draw. Um, mm -hmm. It might be good practice to incorporate meditation into part of their, their duties. Mm -hmm. Okay. Required from 10 to 10, 15 to sit in meditation and just kind of release the stress that's in your mind. Just breathe. Um, because a, a lot of artists are in tune with their emotions. And as long as that's not in check, if, if they're not centered, grounded, then the, the work they produce is, is not going to be at its peak. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Is there anyone that you would sit down that has passed over that you'd like to sit and have a coffee with? If, if you could um, say, I can tune into anybody. Who would you tune into? Tesla. Nikola Tesla. I, mm. I would, I, he, he had a lot of interesting beliefs about social structure. Yeah. And I want to know what other projects he would have started working on before passing away. I, mm. you know, I would love to know what other things he would enjoy inventing. So that, that would probably be my favorite person to get in so touch with. So while I am going to put it in the show notes, where do people chase you up, follow you up, uh, see what you're doing, stalk you, you know, all the normal things? 
Yeah. Uh, I, hey, stalkers are welcome. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a website, arcturusawakens.com. I also have a podcast. It only has two episodes right now, but I got a new microphone and I got new sound equipment and I'm going to start putting episodes on about narrating some of the scariest stories I can find on the internet. That is also titled Arcturus Awakens. And I believe it's on Spotify. I definitely know it's on Anchor FM. Mm. I have a YouTube channel, Phantom Files. And also on Facebook is Maven's Book Club. So that's kind of where I go to for mm. all books. I'm about to release a poetry book. I'm working on another science fiction novel as a sequel to the first book I wrote, Atlantis City yep. of Maven. And yeah, that's, that's probably the best places to find me. Well, me and my spirits have very much enjoyed listening to you today. It's, it's been, been... I love... I love doing things a little bit outside of the normal box and challenging people's thoughts. And uh, I hope that they uh, become a little bit more open to what's going on around them uh, after listening to this podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been amazing talking to you as well. Um, you being so open is not exactly something I expected. And it was <laughs> really fun, at least on my end. <laughs> No, that's okay. And as we say at the end of all of our podcasts, have a groovy day.